They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello there, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this, e- uh, this evening, this morning, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And well, gents, it was never in doubt. Somerset securing their Division 1 status for 2023 with a game to spare with a 352-run victory over North Ants, who... Is it fair to say they look like they want to get up the road a bit early and beat the traffic on Friday afternoon, or are we doing them a bit of a disservice? Well, I think once the first wicket had gone down, they they did rather collapse like a house of cards. And um, I, I, I thought at lunchtime it might be over fairly quickly afterwards, and, uh, and so it proved. But Somerset were very, very good. You know, take nothing away from the way Somerset played. They were... As good uh, in this in this last game as they've been all season, and as good as they've been in recent seasons, especially when you consider that Lewis Gregory couldn't bowl, so it was a and and Jack Leach wasn't um, wasn't available, so it was a, a very very good performance. Yeah, I mean, I'm, saving, the best, saving the best till last. Yeah, definitely. I remember thinking back to the despair around the around the uh, supporters and the members and the players at when we just got bowled up by Hampshire in a session and. You know, it was really feeling like doom and gloom there but for a while. But, uh, Steve, they got themselves back on track, made themselves difficult yeah. to beat and, well, avoided the dreaded drop with a game to spare. It's, it's, I was almost annoyed that people were pleased we were staying up in a bonkers sort of way because I don't think we should have been in that position. Um, and it proves we are a really good team and can punch well you know, above our weight, compete, whatever word you want to use in this division. Um, my worry is still that the Somerset with Craig Overton in it and the Somerset without Craig Overton in it are two very different beasts at the moment. And that's something we've got to resolve because we cannot, you know, we cannot expect the big fella to carry us on his shoulders. And I know there are others contributed with the bat, but he was the difference maker for me in this game. His bowling in the first innings was hostile, threatening, the sort of stuff that I doubt North Hans have seen very much of this season. And, you know, second innings, the wickets were shared around, but there was no doubt he was a big, you know, it's that I'll bat up the other end factor, wasn't it? Um, Tom Abel, again, absolutely outstanding. You know, must be lovely. I think Anthony said on commentary a couple of times, must be so nice to come in with 100 on the board rather than (laughs) three, three on the board and then see it's three for two before you face the ball or something. But, yeah, that's that's the worry for me, you know, the... I'll say it again, when you think you've got enough quick bowlers sign another couple and it's you know, it's looking that way for me. If Craig's Craig's gonna be carrying drinks for England for the ashes next summer. I know we don't know the schedule exactly and whether that'll affect championship games, but you you really gotta worry for Lewis Gregory if his back's flared up again. Um can we rely on Abel and Lamanby to be the fourth bowler all season? If we can, great, but we still gotta find you know, we need Josh Davy, Casey Aldridge, Siddle back. I'm looking, looking ahead, but it's it's a concern to me for next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've watched Craig's first spell in that North Ants first innings from I sort of sat up on the on the Thatcher's terrace right behind the bowler's arm, and it just looked to me like he had six or seven weeks, however long it's been, of pent up frustration and rage mm. and itchy feet just all exploded into that that opening spell and it wasn't just his bowling as well he was he was just all over the place i think he was trying to run somebody out after the umpire called over that was <laughs> quite funny after i think it was a, a uh, an lbw appeal returned in the uh, in the negative he, he, run, he was just all over the place and yeah it just you absolutely and catching as well catching as well catching both yeah just I mean, just an in, an incredible performance from, from Big Craig. How much did you were you able to to keep an eye on Dan? Yeah, I I um, managed to watch the stream a couple of days. I sort of had it in the background while I was working from home. Um, yeah, I thought it was a very good game of first class cricket, which went you know to yeah. the fourth day, unlike all the other games in our division. Um, 
Somerset, obviously, were generally on top throughout the game. Abel, I think, is the first time he's ever made two centuries in a game. It potentially caps off maybe his best ever season. I think in terms of number of runs, I think it is. I don't think he's got a 1,000 before, has he? No, he hasn't. No. no. So, um, and yeah, as you were saying, Craig obviously he makes such a difference when he plays. All three of our wins this season came when Craig was playing. Um, it's no coincidence. Um, yeah, it was just a complete performance, really. The last day, I think, I went into it probably expecting a draw on balance, but I didn't factor in the fact that North Ants... It's very easy to say that they didn't give 100%, didn't care, etc., etc., but I think there was an element of that. Like, It's very easy to say that in, when a team loses, oh, they didn't care, but there probably was an element of it, and they do have previous. Last year at Chelmsford, there was a... In the final game of the year at Chelmsford last year, North Ants lost in about a day in a session. Um, and the pitch was probably part of that. Everybody but... loses in a day in a session at Chelmsford. Yeah. Now that's, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Us... Again, I think this was there was an element of North Ants just sort of being like, well, we, you know, they were pretty much done with the season. They were well, last year it was dead, wasn't it? it was Division Two was irrelevant. This year they secured their status, so they probably didn't care too yeah, much. They needed. <laughs> If they needed a draw to stay up on Friday, that game would not have been over at court past two. You can guarantee that. Yeah, 100%. Tom Abel then. We say he needs to score more hundreds to catch the eye of the England selectors. Well, he scored, what, five or six this year? Five, I think? Five. 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 Can he do yeah. any more? He can't really, can he? He, he? And I think the way he batted... And, and situationally, the way he batted in both innings was very different. And he batted superbly situationally in both innings. Um, you know, he he seems uh, he seems now to be able to assess the tempo. If you just had a teeny weeny criticism of him before, before he probably discovered that he can play white ball cricket. That innings on Thursday was a Tom Abel with the white ball confidence to me. You know, it was just. You look back, you look on the scorecard, you see how many balls he faced. And, yeah. you know, he made Lamaby look like he was batting in concrete, didn't he? And Lamaby wasn't batting in concrete. It was just wonderful. Um, everyone will say, yeah, well, that's the county championship and he's got to do it at the higher level. We'll give him a chance, you know, let him skip for an eight or over the winter or better, you know, and see what he can do. But I, I think he's got such a good cricket brain and his confidence must be sky high now as well. And it's just... It's fantastic to see, you know, uh, some side with Lamb and B. Abel and Bartlett all scoring runs makes for a very happy Steve, I have to say, and, and Tom Abel's preeminent among those three. Yeah, definitely. That watching him bat on on Thursday night, I had to go because I, I had to take the the kids have got rainbows and beavers and cubs and all sorts on Thursday night, so me and the missus were driving all all over the shop, uh, uh, dropping them around, but. I didn't, so unfortunately, I wasn't there to watch Lamanby or Abel get their hundreds on on Thursday night, which is a bit disappointing. But I think I left when he was on about eighteen. You know, when you're just watching a player, and then all of a sudden you look up, oh, he's on fifty. How did he do yeah. that? And then you look at the balls he's faced, and it was off maybe you know 50, 40, 50 balls, whatever it was. It was just, it was just incredible. And that when you talk about the tempo, Steve, I think you're absolutely right. He's he just looked in control. I think there was only one big shot he played on that Thursday night before I left. He sort of slog, set, slog swept one over over Cow towards the uh, the Andy Canick Pavilion. But just an incredible, incredible knock. We've lost Gibbo for a minute. I'm sure he'll jump back on in. Um, but good runs for Bartlett as well, who I thought was a little bit unlucky with the way that he got dismissed. He'd left one outside the off stump that from Rob Keogh, it, it He got it, yeah. he got a hit, didn't he? He could throw throw hit him on the helmet and he seemed to be a bit shaken up by that and you know he clearly fell past the percussion concussion protocols the next day but he was a bit shaken up i think and that accounted for his dismissal as well but he was he was batting as george bartlett his best bats and sort of like it's just flows doesn't it when he bats like that it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous to watch and the three of them are actually quite similar in a way in that they can bat very doggedly but they can also when they need to bat really fluently um and yeah and i mean credit to lamanby as well and he was he was so so happy it was you said about craig having pent up frustration i think lamanby's was pent up relief when anthony interviewed him on the thursday evening that it was like 
I know I can do this and I've done it and I can keep doing it. But I, I seem to remember, I think Dan tweeted as well, he seems to like the last game of the season at Taunton because he got 100, a really good 100 against Lancashire yeah, last year. Yeah, in a, a much different outcome and result and situation there. But no, great, great stuff to see. And, uh, you know, I was thinking with the two incoming batsmen as well, where does that leave us in terms of batting and I think that's that's not for now but that's when the Lewis Gregory conversation comes in because he's going to play for Somerset it looks like he's going to have to play as a batsman in Champo cricket going forward and uh, you know we've got don't forget we've got Banton Goldsworthy and Rue as well that's a probably the best young six English batsmen in the country in any county side so let's let's be positive as we as it's a nice sunny Sunday morning yeah definitely yeah just what I said about Bartlett was um, he left one that that hit a little bit of a pizza as Jack Brooks called it a, a bit of rough and then the next ball he just overstretched I think trying to compensate overcompensate for that and just nick the outside edge but Bartlett's looking good everyone's scoring runs the only possible um, negative for the match Lewis Goldsworth the only 22 but then he's only 21 I think things are looking rosy and as you say Steve there's going to be a lot of us there's going to be a massive selection headache come uh, come April next year so um, mm. certainly not the meeting that I want to be and when we sign Jake Libby as well it's going to be even <laughs> harder <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Sean Dixon that came out this week didn't it after we uh, recorded last didn't yeah. it um, it was the morning of day one of the North France game I mean it came as a, a total shock to me I don't know about you guys but um Anthony's probably known since about <laughs> May. Just kept it. I've very known for quiet. about a month. I've known for about a month. <laughs> Mark yeah, Davis told me first of all, and then Martin Emerson, the uh, Durham commentator, texted to say that did I know that Sean Dixon was joining Somerset, and that must have been three weeks ago. So it's it's but it, the secret's been pretty well kept. But it's been a good. How, so, it's how a, good a it? I don't know, but well, I haven't actually seen much of Sean Dixon. The average is. Big, big average in second division cricket, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's averaging fifty-four this year. Although I think if you look at look at it, he's scored he's got a lot of those runs at the start of the season, and he has tailed off. Um, but his career average is thirty-five, which is solid, which is better than most of our current players. He had a solid stint. Actually, Canterbury and Chester the streak down. That's not bad. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, he's not like you know, he's not going to pull up. You know, he's not going to. He's not going to dominate the world with us, but he should be a solid opener for us, I think. Um, yeah, he's he's part of the sort of the competition replacements we've got now. He might not always play. It's, we've got so many options now um, that he, it's good to have this competition. But hopefully, it doesn't lead to sort of any of our younger guys leaving. You know, because Will Smith mm-hmm. obviously wants to play four-day cricket, so there's a lot of competition in the batting now. But it's potentially necessary because our batting's been a problem for years, so we couldn't do nothing about it, I suppose. But yeah, we can't really yes. sit here and go, oh, they've got, the, oh, our batting's terrible, our batting's terrible. Oh, they've signed all these batsmen. Well, they've got too many batsmen now. What are we going to do? Yeah. It's, it's mad. I like the signing Thanks. as well. I think we need to keep a, a sort of a solid position, at the, a, a solid partnership at the top of the order. I think the previous seasons where we've signed um, overseas batters, particularly for September, we've kind of had to rejig the order to accommodate them. Yeah. I think having that homegrown, settled group of batters in, in a and a set order with set roles I think is is absolutely invaluable bowlers you can be a little bit more flexible with you know it's generally if you sign in a, a seam bowler well does it matter if they open the bowling or bowl first change generally not but I think with batters if you're in that set order with those set roles it's it can only be a positive so I'm incredibly happy with that rumours that we may be re-signing Peter Siddle are, are growing yeah but, I think so. um, yeah. What, no, I like Jack Leach's comment when he said you you were talking. Anthony was talking to him on whatever day it was, and he was saying, and he just went, "Yeah, we sent him home broken." And I thought, <laughs> I thought that's a, that's very much a, a county scene bowlers end of season statement, wasn't it? We're all broken, but we, it was always yeah. particularly proud that we sent this tough Aussie who's played shield cricket and Test cricket all around the world. And yeah, broken season with Somerset, and we sent him home well. broken. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing to say, Shep, is that. Renshaw is clearly being 
encouraged to push to open for Australia and the stuff I've seen tweets about and comments about the sort of build up to the Australian season and it would have been foolish to have assumed that Renshaw would be available in an Ashes summer anyway so much as we love Matt Renshaw we probably have done the wise thing and said we need somebody to you know if Lamaby is going to continue to open we need somebody to bat at the top and the fact we've got somebody who's you know unless Sean Dixon scores three triple hundreds in the first two weeks of the season. He's probably not going to get a dash to call that. So that probably is a very, very shrewd bit of business. Um, Where does this leave say, for you know, Andy Umid, though? Hmm. I mean, why did we sign Andy Umid if, if, if Andy Harry had Sean Dixon? Well, you've ruined league. him anyway, Gibber. You've called him a, a limited front foot blocker. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> Probably listen. To I that. didn't call him that. That's what Mark Davis <laughs> said. <laughs> but, my... Well, I, I, my, my opinion on it is, you've got if you have three openers in a squad and one of them gets injured, then you've got another opener. If you've only got two, then you have to play somebody out of position. You have to ask somebody like Ben Green to do it again. Um, I think it's a perfectly <coughs> sensible move. I mean, if it's in the play, would you do it? Would you have Imam back if if they said that Imam signed for the whole of next season? And I'm, I'm not even thinking about test schedules here. Just hypothetically, what would the three of you think about Imam Dixon being the opening partnership and Lamon be batting at five or something next year? I think I think we might be going too far then in terms of signing new batters and and constraining opportunities for our own guys for our homegrown players a bit too much. And like I I can't see us signing an overseas batter as well next year. Um imagine, you know, we've got six you know, we've got a top six now. Th- taking out three of them for three new players just feels a bit much. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably sign as I said, we might sign Sido and then maybe sign another pace another overseas pace bowler or even look at an overseas spinner. Maybe for again like mm-hmm. for September. It depends on Leach's availability, but Obviously, we don't have a. We've got Roloff as, as our backup spinner, but we don't have a second specialist four-day spinner, do we? At the moment, so we might look to do a bit like maybe what Gloucester have done, and um, you know, Gloucester have got Zafar Gohar. They've had him for the whole season. He's not always played, but he's always there and available. So we might look do something similar, I suppose. We we could desperately do Dan with having either um, Ned or Son- Ned Leonard or Sonny Baker having a season next year, like Casey's had this year. That would really help. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if we can, I don't know if what they're going to do over the winter, but if the two of them can go and have a good winter and come back fit and fire, you know, even if you've got the two of them playing alternate games or something, that would be a huge help with, you know, Jack Brooks, Josh Davey, and say Siddle to supplement Overton. Because I, as I keep saying, I'm, I'm really worried about Lewis now. You know, we were told he'd had this surgery and that was going to sort his back. You can, you can imagine we're going to hear that he's going to have more surgery or something in the near future, can't you? But it's it's got to be a time. It's a bit like my knee, because ironically, as I should have said this, I missed the end of the Taunton County Championship season because in that 15 or 20 minutes, I was actually at the doctors having my dodgy knee looked at and assessing what I've got to do next with it. So my watch was tapping away, telling me that wickets were falling, but I missed it. Uh, came out and it was all over. Those last three wickets were that quickly. Well, I, I, I nearly missed Lewis it is... as well, Steve, because I was um, what I've been doing this. I was trying to get all my work, as much work as I can, done in the morning, and then go up to Taunton with my laptop after lunch. And uh, sods, sods law, we ended up taking what was it five wickets before lunch on uh, yeah on the Friday, and then uh, I think there was I think there were two more before I got to the ground because something bloody just as you're about to go out the door, something always bloody goes wrong at about. You know, twenty-five past twelve, just about to go. So I didn't get out the door till about ten, ten to one. So might have, um, might have broken the speed limit up to Taunton just, a, just, a, just a wee bit uh, on the way there. But got it, yeah. Forty-five minute drive for half an hour's cricket, but perfect it was. And just the last thing on this, then what a perfect way for that last wicket to go. The fulcrum of the batting, Tom Abel. The fulcrum of the bowling, Craig Overton, combining to seal that final. Uh, take that final uh, North Vance wicket that image of of Abel in the air arm pumping as the wicket was taken should be on the not that we print a yearbook anymore but if we did that should be the photo on the front of the yearbook next year shouldn't it have you you got a title for your uh, your piece yet Gibbo a little conversation on on Friday 
It'll be view, view from the boundary edge. <laughs> view from Cow Corner. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, any suggestions as to where the, the club can accommodate Anthony next season with a, with a slightly better view? Maybe we could like crowdfund building you sort of a, uh, a your own sort of proper cabin, you know, a little man man cave on top of the Thatcher's Terrace or something like that. We could, yeah. uh, or get you get you up in one of those cherry pickers. Yeah, that would be all right. <laughs> Yeah. Can I, yeah. talking about the commentary, can I just say, I thought Andrew Rad, I've obviously heard him a few times before, I thought he was absolutely outstanding, really, really informative, but he, they were, the guys were having a conversation on the Friday morning, and it made me quite emotional, and it was, he was saying about the crowd at Taunton and whatever, and he was saying, you come to the crowd as a boy, and you come with your parents or whatever, and your mates, and then you talk to older people who remember Gimlet, Brian Langford or what, whoever the names are. He was reciting names of Northampton players. And this is all tied into the, that high-performance review conversation as well. And it was I was like, well said. That's exactly what coming to the county ground when I was a kid and a teenager was about. Um, and I thought he was he's one of those commentators that really appreciates good cricket, reads the game really well. But he, in a couple of sentences there, he summed up for me what, being a cricket, a county cricket fan, being a Somerset fan was all about. So, I'm sure he won't listen to this, but if he did, well done, Andrew Rad, because I thought you were amazing. And it, it offset. I'm going to be a bit cheeky now, and it offset the cliches that were flowing from the third voice. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a very, very nice man, and there is nothing, literally nothing, that he doesn't know about North Hampshire cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at club level as well, by the sound of it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's a real cricket nut, but a really nice man and very very knowledgeable. And he does indeed um, love the sort of spirit of the game, if you like, the spirit, the essence of county cricket, which is so important to so many people, including it would appear Mike Allerton, oh. who's had a, a, a conversion on the road the to Damascus, Damascus. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's now saying that it's the it's the essence, you know, it's an irreplaceable part of the English summer, the county championship. Whereas three weeks ago, he was saying that the only purpose of the county championship was to supply players for England. So that's some very welcome change of tune. I think Athers is, Athers has always kind of been on the on the light side, isn't he? I think he's he's one of the the sole voices in 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 that Sky commentary box that knows he, he knows he's the best commentator he knows he can say pretty much whatever whatever he likes and he's very unlikely to get sacked and if he does he'll just carry on being cricket correspondent for the times but yeah 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 so well done Athos. Uh, anything anything more on the on the north ants game then oh should we talk about mr three for 300 old sajid <laughs> well he hasn't had much to work with in the way of pitches to be fair to him but Rob Key, he doesn't, he doesn't look like, 4 for 99. Yeah, he doesn't look like the sort of spin bowler is going to bowl Somerset to victory in the fourth innings. He doesn't turn it very much. He doesn't. He's not very tall, and what height he does have, he doesn't use very well. Um, but he's, you know, he's a lovely bloke. As I've said before, he reminds me a bit of Don Bess. Um, same sort of seven to seventeen at Canterbury on Wednesday afternoon. Well, let's hope so. Well, let's hope so. Because <laughs> He didn't speak much English, but I, I gather he, he's always very, very polite whenever I see him, and he has become a you know popular member of the uh, of the dressing room. So he's he's a good guy. It'd be nice to see him go back to India with a few uh, Pakistan rather with a few uh, wickets under his belt. Oh, let's hope so. I mean, just we, we, I mean we were chatting about this. Um, you said you um, earlier in the week. He said he reminds you of Don Bass, and they did a really good thing on Sky with Don Bass where they. Um, really analyse his release point. He just he best was sort of undercutting the ball mm. rather than getting his fingers over the top like somebody like Swanwood and getting the ball really going towards first slip. And I think that's maybe what Sadges do. He's also, he seems to bowl too quick for me as well. Watching watching him on whatever day it was, he just seems you can just play yeah. him, if if it's not turning, you can just play him like a medium pacer. I think I think the fact we he bowls his overs so quickly as well. I, you know, I'm all for getting through overs quickly, but just if it, there seems to be the rhythm is wrong to me, and a far bit for me to criticise an international test standard off spin bowler, but I just wish he'd slow down a little bit and maybe 
make the batsman think a little bit more because it must be very easy to get into a rhythm batting against when you know it's almost like facing the quickest bowling machine in terms of speed of release of the ball you've you've got in the club I would think that's why someone like um, the great Shane Warne he probably got 10-15% of his wickets just with the theatre of it all didn't he of just slowing the over down just moving backward point you know a few inches this way and then no back an inch that way and and just yeah Batsman think, what's yeah. he doing? Why has yeah. he done that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. just making the batsman. And well, also, if you're Josh Davy bowling at the other end, it's not a lot of fun because by the time you walk down to fine leg and <laughs> walked across the yeah. fine leg because the left hand or right hand has swapped over, you're back at the start of your mark again. You know, it's just it shortens the, the spells that people at the other end can bowl quite markedly, I would think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, Craig Over was only on the five over spells. Was it four or five over spells? But he's gradually. Uh, making his way back into cricket. Um, right, are we done? Are we done with North Ants now? Should we talk about? Should we done. talk about the two? Well, two or three other games in Division One this week. We were all Gloucester fans on Thursday on uh, Thursday evening. <laughs> they chasing 140, 145 yeah. to win against uh, against Warwickshire, and they just kept losing. Go on, the Shire. Go on, the Shire. Go on, you. There was a period where. It, <laughs> <laughs> on Thursday afternoon, nobody was watching Abel and Lamanby in the middle. Everybody was just glued to their phones and glued to the live streams and and Twitter updates and and whatnot. And all the all the you know all the chat you could hear was, "Oh no, Dent's out, so and so's out." But they thought, was it th- uh, three wickets to spare? They had and the cheer yeah. around the county ground. I've had, never heard yeah. anything like it. <laughs> I think even a chant of Gloucestershire <laughs> "La La La" might have broken out uh, for a few minutes. <laughs> and our old friends Essex, eh? What a shame. <laughs> the bite a bit. Losing. Losing to Lancashire in, what was it, just under, th- just over four sessions, wasn't it? Just over four, four no. sessions and 33 minutes, I think Polly said, didn't she? Something oh, like that. And, and at one point, Lancashire was six for seven in their second innings. Se- yeah. Sorry, seven yeah. for six in their second innings. So that's quite, that's that puts it in context to me. How can any team win a game? But I'm not going to even ask this. Has a team ever won a game from being set? I can see, I can see you going around there, Dan, flicking around, looking in, in cricket archive. Has a team ever won after being seven for six in either I innings? I'm not sure it's the kind of thing. I, that, I think yeah. we can suspect. Certainly not in England. It probably has happened in you know, somewhere years ago in India or Pakistan or somewhere. It might possibly have happened, but no, it's. Um, and obviously, I think the ECB's swift reaction to it and the clear way they've made a comment about it being unacceptable is unsurprising. Well, you never know, because when Somerset got dot points in 2019 for the pitch against Essex, it was a while, wasn't it, before we actually heard we were getting mm-hmm. docked, I think. So you never know. We might hear something in a few weeks' time, because it's the cricket liaison officer, isn't it? They're present at every ground. Yeah. They decide... Um, if the pitch is unacceptable or not, in consultation with the umpires, etc. So, yeah. you may hear something, and I feel like this could—you know—it sounds like it was a bad pitch. So, it wouldn't surprise me if we do see it rated as I think. Is it below? No, I think it's poor, isn't it? If it's poor, it's docked points, and if it's below average, you can't produce another below average one within the following twelve months. So, I think we might see some action this time. Finally, I'll take your word for that, Dan. I've not really, uh, <laughs> not really au fait with the pitch regulations. Bring back too many well, bad Glenn, memories. Glenn but Chappell you know... certainly wasn't happy on. Glenn Chappell oh, certainly was... wasn't happy on. He didn't pull his punches in what he said after the first day's play. So I'm sure that got noticed. I think he was probably a, a, a modicum more happy after the second day, but not by much. I'd have thought because it's. Uh, it's just a joke, isn't it? The way that we've been. An end of oh, it just just winds me up that they haven't been they haven't been done for. Making let's let's not forget yeah. it was although neither were going to win the championship it was third against fourth so there was mm-hmm. stuff you know money etc riding on it it wasn't two mid-table teams just playing out the end of season um maybe dan it's taken a while because essex haven't reported the pitch yet as they did because that's why it took a while back in 2019 maybe they haven't the word process is not working they haven't finished the letter oh, yet I mean- Imagine Glenn Chapel would have been on the phone straight away after uh, after the end of that game. Um, so it looks very much like Warwickshire and 
well, Warwickshire really are going to be going down with Gloucester. With Gloucester, Gloucester. barring a miracle. Warwickshire have got Hampshire the last game. We'll see we play Kent. But stranger things have happened. I'm just glad and that we are... Don't rule out Yorkshire being relegated, of course. i not going to lie, I would absolutely love to see Yorkshire get relegated. <laughs> yeah, oh, so would I. Why? why? Because why? they're a big county and to see them end up in Division 2 would just be quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been in Division 2 quite recently, haven't they? Back in, um... They were, weren't they? Yeah, for a year. I mean, um, yeah. we talked in the week about the, 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 old, the old HPR and this elite team of of six at the top and wouldn't it just be funny if that if that that six was uh hampshire essex north ants somerset um uh, what other no not hampshire. hampshire hampshire 100 grand you, you... oh yeah i know but i was i'm, I'm trying to sort of pick you're talking uh, you know, about like the most unfashionable the most yeah how many could how many kind like. of unfashionable counties could we fit in there okay well go surrey and hampshire you've got to have in there uh, yeah Somerset, Essex, North Ants and Somerset would be the three, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, they're the top six now, so... Yeah, exactly. And they'll probably be the top six come uh, come this time next week as well. So we could potentially finish fifth. If we do finish fifth, would that be a good season? A bad season? An indifferent no. season? An acceptable season? I asked Sandy Hurry precisely that question, and he said uh, it, it's been a disappointing season. Despite finishing sixth or fifth or whatever it is, and I think that's that's fair. It's, you know that poor start cost us dearly. Um, we didn't, pref- uh, you know, it's um, they've shown lots of spirit in the recent games, but we were too far behind too early because they didn't seem to be up for it at the start. They had that really tough first month, if you remember. Yeah. Oh, we and remember, they, Gibber. We remember. <laughs> and they just didn't yeah. seem to be on it, you know. All right, we you know we missed uh, Renshaw for the first game down at the Aegeus Bowl, and and but I don't know, it, they they looked undercooked at the start of the season, where whereas they really needed to be on it from the very very first over, and they weren't. Yeah. So that, I think you know that makes it a disappointment. It's, it's probably the best of the worst outcomes, given where we were. I think you're right. Ian, after the Hampshire home defeat, I think every every true Somerset fan who wants, but and by that I mean fans who want the team to do well rather than perversely wanting to be able to moan. <laughs> every true Somerset fan would have taken where we are now and the finish we've had. I I will reserve judgment until oh, after breaking this week. news. Breaking news: James Rue has signed a contract extension yeah. until the end. Of, sorry, I'm just scrolling. Drum roll. Three, another <laughs> three years, I think it says. So that'll be Excellent. end of 2025. Excellent. Great news. Good. Good. I, 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 if we can, if we win at Canterbury, I will be on the slightly glass half full side, because I think you can. You can take the development of the James Roos and Goldsworthies and the fact that Bartlett seems to have found his mojo and Casey's come through, etc., etc., etc. But at the start of the season, if you'd have said to me, we will avoid relegation the penultimate game and finish fifth, I would probably be, yeah, yeah. can we fast forward to the next season, please? It's not, you know... I'll be accused of entitlement, but I still think Somerset, uh, the club that we are at the moment, should be looking to be at least competing for trophies. And we didn't this year. You know, we've got to finals day, I know, but you know, we need to be either punching above our weight in this in the, the 50 over, or we need to be there or thereabouts in the championship. And we've not been that team this year. So I'm, I'm yeah, agnostic at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think if we beat Kent, we will potentially show that we're almost the best of the rest in a way. Because if you look at the table, there's a 30-point gap between fourth and fifth, which maybe shows yeah. Surrey, Hampshire, Lancashire, Essex are a class above everyone else. If we beat Kent, or even maybe with a good draw with Kent, we might sneak into fifth and, you know, we'll be away off Essex. Mm. But we'll be fifth out of 18 in the country in four-day cricket, which isn't that bad, really, is it? 
and we've yeah we and played. if Essex get a 50 point deduction down the finish <laughs> fourth yeah although the deduction <laughs> if consistent deduction should apply to next season because that's what happened with Somerset it was yeah. the following season oh that would um, but yeah um, if we end up fifth out of 18 yeah we've, we've played poorly at times this season for sure but we've we'll be able to take a lot of heart from how we've played since you know Southport onwards really we've had mm. all draws but what well, we've had what was it five draws and a win since then if it ends up as five draws yeah. and two wins in the second half of the season we can you know, we'll, we'll clearly have improved from the first half, um, and hopefully we can carry that on into next season and maybe compete a bit better against the top sides. You know, particularly Surrey and Hampshire, because you know they, those. You know, I think four of our losses were Surrey and Hampshire, weren't they? Four out of the five losses. Yeah. So there's clearly a gulf there. We need to sort of start closing that. And also a gulf in what would appear to be the apparent fairness of the uh, fixture distribution as well. Yeah. Because we've only played Kent and North Ants once. Kent and North Ants once. Yorkshire once as well, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's, it's because the because the fixture seeding thingy was based on 2019 results rather than 2021 for some reason. Um, but next year's fixture seeding will be based on this year, so should be a lot fairer, I think. Well, let's hope so. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think from where we were in, in sort of end of April, mid-May, it's... It's been a phenomenal turnaround. I think, Gibbo, catalyzed by you telling Jason Kerr off at the Oval after that defeat. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And then that was it. Boom. But, uh, no, it, joking aside, I think, a lot of players' stock has risen this year. Tom Abel's stock has risen. Um, George Bartlett's stock has risen. Obviously, Rue Goldsworthy. Um, obviously sad that, that Hildy's retiring but I think that was kind of inevitable for um, for a number of reasons Lewis Gregory is looking a little bit fragile bit suspect and fragile yeah so I don't know I don't know what kind of he's got some useful runs for us though Gregory yeah. and, and you know I'd Absolutely. say him even, even if he can't bowl I'd, I'd, I'd have him in the in the side he's a very very good cricketer um, he's a much better batsman than his stats would suggest. I think, you know, you, you could argue you could you could put him higher up, um, and and you know turn him into a specialist batsman, and and then he might concentrate a bit harder, you know, rather than as so often, you know, he'll he'll look a million dollars and then give it away with one silly shot. If he's a little bit higher up the order, maybe he'd feel a greater responsibility, but. Uh, Several times, I mean, up at Edgbaston, that 60 he got there in the first innings when he shepherded the tail, absolutely crucial. Yeah. You know, if we'd been bowled out there for 120, we'd have been in serious mm. trouble because Warwickshire would have won that mm. game. So, um, yeah, I, I rate Lewis Gregory. So an another another batsman to go in that in already yeah. <laughs> increasingly overloaded middle order. Yeah. The, the uh, HPR could suggest that we could maybe play with 13 or 14 so we can not have to worry about any <laughs> selection dilemmas. But mind you, having said that, we did. We were thinking about how to get everybody in the side and then first game this year down at the Aegeus Bowl, we didn't have anybody else fit who'd played championship cricket. So you've mm -hmm. always got to think of the other side of uh, the other side of the coin for that one. Perhaps we could bring in the concept of a pinch batter. In baseball, <laughs> they're, they're just getting rid of, uh, finally, the concept of a pinch hitter. You have a not a pinch hitter, designated hitter, sorry, somebody who bats but doesn't field. So maybe you could have Lewis Gregory could be our designated batter. Oh, that's so. amazing. Yeah, but who's the poor bastard that's got to go out and field for two days? For old Lewis well, no, because you have a bowler. Ball. You have a bowler who doesn't bat effectively. Ah. Yeah. Well, that'd be a good idea. Well, they are bringing they into in the India's domestic T20 competition, the side Mustak Ali Trophy, they're experimenting with a, like a full substitute from next year. Um, it's a bit different to the Big Bash, where it's more limited in the Big Bash. But the Indian one is going to actually sort of a full substitute at any time, um, and that might come into the IPL at some point. And then who knows? It might spread beyond. But I'm not sure if I'd want that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that these sort of things are developing. We went, it feels like we had a bit of an end of season chat, but there is of course the game down at Canterbury this week an opportunity maybe to uh, uh, a bit of a changing of uh, certain personnel who might be feeling the effects um, <coughs> shall I go first with my side yeah go on I've got 11 well I've technically I've got 12 wow. but, uh, Imam Lamanby Abel Bartlett Goldsworthy Rue Roloff at 7 Craig at 8 
Uh, Jack Brooks or Josh Davy at nine, depending on his fit. Sajid Khan, and I'm giving a debut to Sonny Baker. Okay. Um, did you have Casey in that side? Sorry. No, I'm giving Casey the week off. He looks knackered. Yeah, he didn't okay. roll very well against Northampton. But um, I don't think Craig Overton's going to play. I mean, I think. Oh, Gibbo's frozen. Dan, do you want to jump in? And you're on mute, Dan. Uh, um, there's a bit of uncertainty, isn't there, um, around the bowlers? I think, yeah, the top six, uh, it'd be the same top six, I think. Um, if if Gregory's fit, it always depends on whether Gregory and Overton are fit, because if neither of them are fit, then we're, we've got a very long tail. Yeah, Gregory's uh, not going to play. That's already been... Gregory's not playing? No, that's been confirmed. Uh, okay, so yeah, Overton should definitely play if he's fit, um, I think. Because um, otherwise, it would, yeah, otherwise, very long tail. Um, I think Davey will, I think Davey should play again. Brooks should be fit, I think, from what he was saying on commentary. Um, Sajid Khan should play. And then, yeah, I think it would be worth giving Baker a go as long as the management are 100% confident that he is that they will hold up throughout the game obviously we don't want to accidentally ruin his recovery but if they're confident he'll he'll be okay then yeah because yeah, he played yeah. he played his second team came a couple of weeks that's kind of why i've got i've got roll off in there as well and because you kind of have to you almost have to play them as a pair because if you've if you kind of play in all um these sort of scene bows that you're not quite sure about whether it's with you know their ability to to, to last the day you've got to have a, a as many other bowling options as you can and lambie's got a bit of a dodgy here able um, don't know. Seem pretty fit bowling on uh, uh, in the week. So an argument for bringing Banton in for a game. Well, I think he deserves yeah. a chance. You know, he, his might, last much as I much as I've got a lot of time for Lewis Goldsworthy, I might bring Banton in at five. I think I would. Yeah. I think we have to be clear to Goldsworthy that he's not necessarily been dropped, but it's more just to give Banton a game, though. I wouldn't want to ruin goals with his confidence, you know, because he's sort of no. established himself on the side reasonably well. He's sort of tailed off a little bit in the last few games, but, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe worth giving Banton if, a go. If, Craig's, if Craig is rested, not available, whatever reason, I could see the argument for batting Banton at five, goals with it, six, Rue at seven. Just to, because otherwise, as you say, Dan, you know, Lewis Gregory was effectively a specialist batsman in the last game. And then you go Davy Brooks, Khan, and one of the young seamers. That to me is, you know, and except the fact that maybe Abel and Lamanby have to do a bit of bowling again. Yeah. I really want to beat Kent this week, as none people <laughs> won't be surprised to know. I mean, I really want us to beat Kent to, to cement the, the highest possible finish we can, but. Just, I think it's it is going to make a big dis difference in my mind over the winter as to whether this was an okay season or a very disappointing season. So, I think it's going to be very difficult to beat them. I think the pitch will be as flat as the M2 because all Kent need is a draw. And, and the forecast isn't brilliant, is it? I don't think there's a bit of rain around. I don't think it's too bad, but um, I'm I'm preparing myself for a long four days. <laughs> <laughs> take the pack, take the cards, Gibbo. Yeah, yeah. I'll just go. I was, that's one of the reasons why I put roll off in at seven because you you need to have as many bowling options as you can for if the pitches is going to play as as we mm, all think it might. So, yeah, and you know opportunities don't rarely come along in the in the county championship. Certainly for us, where we could we've got a game with not really nothing riding on it because it's you know it's a Somerset first eleven playing in the county championship, but. Jason Kerr said to me, "You only got thirteen or fourteen to choose from." Has he? Yeah, that's what he said when I asked him about oh. the team for, for Kent. So, I think that that's the question mark against Josh Davies' fitness uh, as well. Possibly that. Todd Lemonby with his with his ankle problem. I don't know whether whether they'll decide to uh, well, to rest him. Put Andy Mead, yeah, put Andy Mead in at the top, maybe. Absolutely. Oh, if they did that, I reckon they'd get Rue to open. See how he shapes opening. Oh, it's asking too much of him to keep wicket and open the batting. We may uh, have to delve into the Harding and Ogborn zone if uh, there's too many injuries to the seamers. Uh, I suppose Ogborn may be the first in line to come in. Yeah. 
we still still have a certain Marchant de Langer on the books as well. Ollie Sale <laughs> as well is is still under contract. Um, and of course, a certain Mister Will Smead as well. That we've not we've not really. No. So I mean, we could, we we could see the most fantastically random Somerset side take the field at Canterbury tomorrow morning. Um, we could. <coughs> Do you know how many players have played for Somerset this season across all formats? Yes, too many. Dan, I do. It is. It's about thirty-three. It is exactly yeah. thirty-three. Yeah, which is the, the the most I can is the most in any season since two thousand. I think um, most I most I know of is I think thirty-one in two thousand twelve when we had a lot of injuries. This year has partly been injuries, but it's also the, the nature of the Royal London Cup these days as well. It's insane how many players we've used. And obviously, we had the we've used a lot. In the, uh, we've, we've used a lot in the county championship as well, though. Yeah, twenty-three. Yeah, uh, and you compare that with Hampshire. Hampshire probably around about fourteen. Yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah. Well, let's see if we can get that up to sort of thirty-five, thirty-six. Then with our selection. <laughs> yeah. So that means that means Leonard Baker, Harding, and Uber well, Leonard, Leonard's, not, Leonard's not fit. Uh, yeah, Leonard hasn't played. Oh, no. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, George Thomas. I think the only players who haven't played for Somerset this year who are, are on the books, so to speak, is George Thomas and Ned Leonard. Oh, did, no, did Ned Leonard play? Leonard played. No, he, he played, he played Hampton, the first game. Yeah, it's just Thomas. I think maybe we could get Amar Verdi back for another game, could not we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what he George Scott's sign. doing. Gloucester have just uh, Gloucester have just uh, let George Scott go, so. Wonder if we'll pick mm. him up or not. Probably well, we not. should sign. We should sign Dan Moriarty because he has not played for Surrey in the Championship this season, and he's a very good bowler. And Jack, Le you know, as a backup for Jack Leach, if we can get him, why not? Yeah, it's a good shout. Get emailing Dan. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, so we let's have a quick uh, run through of what the old. Uh, oh, forty-six minutes gone already. Thanks for sticking with us, uh, listeners. Right, now this is where people have started having conversations in the Twitter mentions now, and I'm going to be really difficult to find the questions. Uh, da, 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 where are we? Uh, first and then from Alex Vaughan. Will Tom Abel get an England call-up? Are we feeling positive for next year with some good signings? Thank you for the podcast. It's been fantastic. Listen, have a great off-season. Thank you very much, Alex. Glad you're enjoying. Um, I think we are all feeling positive for next season, aren't we? I think the way that the season this season's kind of been a, a flip of last season. Last season we started off well and completely fell away and had an absolute nightmare in September. This year it's the nightmare was in April, carrying on from last year, and we've we've seen a gradual improvement up up to now. And I think everything's kind of moving in the right direction. So yeah, yeah, I'm good. positive if next season if we can strengthen the bowling. Still plenty of time. Well, I think. On the last few weeks, it feels like we've had like a signing almost every other day. So, you know, extrapolate that up to the end of November. We'll have a squad of about 500 and nobody else will uh, be playing for any other counties. <laughs> uh, Trent Bolt signs for Somerset. Oh, that'd be good. Is well, that would be from, good. Has he just retired from all Red Bull cricket or just test much cricket? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing out he's, there. He's not retired fully from anything yet. He's kind of sort of not got a New Zealand contract but he might play the old tests and the old game for New Zealand but yeah I can't see him playing for us in Red Bull cricket <laughs> be nice though uh, Chris Payne Is writes, it, I'll put him in the Jake Libby mould and mention him every <laughs> week going forward now there. <laughs> Chris Payne writes who is your player of the year who is not Tom Abel is James Rue nailed on for young player bowling attack for Kent does Bacon make his debut done the last two I think <clears> James Rue is pretty much nailed on for young player I'd have thought not that we're spoiling the golden apples, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, who's the best of the rest apart from Apes? Craig Overton. Craig yeah. Overton, because he's the, he's we've won three games that he played in. He's the difference maker. He's the reason he's not playing the seasons because he hasn't played the whole season for various reasons. But he's you know metaphorically and literally head and shoulders above anyone else other than Tom Abel in the. You know, and, and it just beggars belief that the England selectors can't see how good he is compared to what else is available. It's just mind numbing. I would, I think if I, I think I get great credit to Mark Overton for not actually 
driving to where the selection meetings and standing outside banging on the door every time they're picking the side because I think I would almost well, it's just he needs to go and play give golf him his with Rod Key Steve that's what he needs to do well, apparently if, you're, if your dad course, is golf, uh, golfing buddies with, with Rob Key you can see what will happen over the winter they'll pick him on a <coughs> flat dead track in Pakistan in broiling heat and then he'll end up with one for 74 and they'll go oh you say yeah there you go, and that would be just—it's just criminal. Just crim- it is criminal. I'm sorry. It just makes me so angry. To, so to angry. be fair, to be fair, Ollie Robinson and Matt Potts have yeah, done I agree. Well yeah, I agree with Dan. Yeah, yeah. I, Ollie I Robinson say... is a, is at present. He's a at Test match level. He's a better bowler than Craig Overton, and you know, <laughs> it's as simple as that. But I think... well, I've, I've got my Overton tinted spectacles on, but I think Craig, if Craig was given the chance, given a run, I think he would outperform them. Sorry, I'll, I'll beg respectfully to disagree I, with you. I, I, I kind of agree, I agree with you both. There. I think the way Potts, uh, not Potts, uh, Robinson bowled at the Oval, he was absolutely superb. But as mm. you say, Steve, Craig has only ever kind of come in. They, they've never kind of picked Craig to say, Right, you are going to be first change for England for the next five tests. Come up, mate. He's always he's come in, he's gone out, he's come in, he's gone out. So he's, you've never really felt that he's a bit like Jack Leach early early on in his career. He was he was he was chopped and changed around and never given a um, an opportunity to settle in that side. You you never treat a batter like that. So why would, why would you treat a bowler like that when he's um, he's making his way early on in his international career? But maybe a few more opportunities to come for both him and. Jamie next year because I can't see Broad and Anderson carrying on for much longer. Although having mm. said that, they'll probably be. <laughs> we'll probably be here in five years' time. Go well when Broad and Anderson finally retire, there'll be an opportunity for Craig. <coughs> <coughs> but you're absolutely right. He was just just phenomenal. Just watching him on on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it was, just made you realise what what we've been missing from our bowling attack. Uh, attack this year um, oh, Mike Underwood is reminding us that we've got to have a golden apple for uh, second 11 player of the year this year Mike I'll let you uh, you decide that one I've, I've... Mike give us a short list yeah <laughs> Mike gives us a short list <laughs> uh, James Gaunt says do we need to expand the Cooper Associates County ground and go for test match status no we do need to expand it though I was thinking about this because we are going to need the Tom Abel Pavilion and yep. the Craig Owen stand in <laughs> 10 years time so we need true. to start planning we need to start planning for that now actually I think we should we should build a hill on the other side of the ground so that we can have a Craig Overton hill because I think that would be quite fitting Definitely. <laughs> so there we go Gordon Gordon get the architects working already because you've oh, got yeah. a fine space well of course we're going to have we're going to have the media centre, but we also we're going to need the Anthony Gibson media centre built as well, aren't <laughs> yeah. we? So that's three new developments have got to happen. I thought, I, that was all going to, I thought that was going to be on top of the Botham stand, all done in the winter, but... No, the no. Anthony Gibson stand, uh, media centre, is going to be tucked behind the Ondaatje Pavilion, probably, <laughs> or something. Oh, like outside that. the museum. Yeah. <laughs> we could have to rig up an elaborate series of mirrors. <laughs> uh at Neil B. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know where are we? Um, but we did. So it was a couple of weeks ago. We said it would be nice if they could just sling us a, a lower grade test match, if you like, Afghanistan mm-hmm. or Ireland. I think that'd be fantastic. Get the big temporary stands in. Yeah, it would be so well supported. The Ireland yeah. test next year has been given to Lords because Lords have to have two tests a year oh, apparently because they're they commercial. It's just, yeah, a bit annoying because we were what we did want that apparently, didn't we? It was a rumor that we did want that Ireland test, but yeah, unfortunately Lords get their way. Shock. Yeah, I think the only international we got the women one of the women's ODIs. Yeah, yeah. ODIs next uh, next season. Oh, moving on then. Uh, Steve Cole writes, uh, looking on what's happened this season, what improvements on the team staff would you like to see for next season? Well, I think we pretty much discussed the bowling options that we that we want. Dan wants Trent Bolt. No, I want Trent Bolt. Oh, Dan's Trent pouring Bolt, cold water on my fantasy <laughs> there. Um, yeah, quality seam bowlers, quality spinners, I think. Matt's probably done there. Uh, Neil B wants to know who will be the new bowling coach and overseas next year. Not sure about that one. 
unless anybody's got any any inside knowledge about who's replacing Steve Kirby who's off to Zimbabwe fairly shortly nope. uh, Mark Long was uh, our survival ever in doubt yes Mark it, it very yes, was. yes he was <laughs> when, we were, when we were 82 for 7 at Edgbaston <laughs> we were looking into the abyss and in the chase at Edgbaston as well there was there were pirrors in that last yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah 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 uh, Harry thank Hayden. God for Will Rhodes. Thank God for Will Rhodes playing that really stupid shot that he didn't need to play against Jack Brooks. Although Jack yeah. explained that it was all a very cunning plot that he oh, himself had work, worked out because he 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 knew that Will Rhodes wanted to do that to him. So he he produced a delivery that was almost where Rhodes would wanted it, but not quite. And knocked out his middle stump. So well bowled Jack Brooks. Those two balls, and then he got mm. then he got Burgess LBW off the inside edge, <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. that was... But it could very easily have gone the other way. Absolutely, that absolutely, yeah. I think the Sibley wicket was the big one there, wasn't it? Where he just wafted Aldridge into the leg side. Yeah, good catch by Josh Davis. It was a hell of a good catch. It was. He was right on the boundary rope, and and it was hit really hard, and could easily have knocked him back over the over the boundary, but he stood firm. Good catch. Uh, one from Harry Hayden, who writes, Is it time for us to clearly endorse the strong responses from Kent, Essex, Middlesex, etc., re the HPR? Oh, God. Mm. Oh, can we well. not go there today? I really I really want to get the season out of the way. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I need to... I need to recharge my emotional batteries before I... I've got plenty to say on it, but not we'll at the moment. give you a couple of weeks to come off your long run, Steve. Yeah, please. Uh, I think, but on that specific point, I think Somerset could actually make their position a little bit clearer. Because all they did was reiterate the statement they'd already already put out. Um, which didn't actually, you know, saying that the number of days cricket at the county ground in July and August was unacceptable. Well, fine, you know. But what are you going to do? How how are we going to arrange the fixture list to change that? Which is the big, the big and as so far unanswered uh, question, or at least un unanswered satisfaction. Just get rid of the but, hundred. It's the cause of and the solution to the problem. I know. I know they're not going to, but it's oh. because the thing with the wanting more cricket at the county ground in August is that that will not change unless we get a hundred franchise. It we we might get one Welsh Fire double header one day, but that won't fulfil it. We might. So the only way we could do it is get a hundred franchises. But then it'll only still be four match days. There will just be. Oh. Well, I suppose it'll be four match days plus four roll on the cup match days. Or what about the festival cricket? Oh yeah, the, the festival second cup. Somerset, yeah. Somerset seconds against Gloucestershire and, and but, Glamorgan, presumably. Yeah, presumably Somerset. The Somerset management would not. <coughs> festival cricket would mean maybe eight days of cricket at the county ground in eight or in August rather than four, but. I still don't think that will fulfil what Somerset want. Yeah, they want. I mean, top. let's they be honest. We could, you could put thirty days of cricket on at the county ground if it was all crap. You could get. You, yeah. you could. You could say to two tour insides, "Hey, do you want to come and play at the county ground?" And then everybody could go and watch it. It's a day of cricket. It's not, is it? It's 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 watching Somerset. And when you say Somerset, you know, you know, all respect to the likes of Jack Harding and, and Alfie Osborne, but. They are way off the, the the first choice, first eleven, and that's what you want to be watching as much as possible, as often and, as possible. And attracting attracting youngsters to the game. If you you know, you imagine a seven year old who sort of followed Somerset cricket a bit, and you say, right, I'm going to take you to the county ground, Somerset playing. They get in the ground, they say, well, where's Craig Overton? Oh, he's playing for Southern Brave. Where's Jack Leach playing for England? Right, um, Tom Abel, you know, and it's. it's that you, this is it. You're not going to solve this problem, and Ian's dead right. Unless you get rid of the hundred, we are not going to have Tom Abel captaining Somerset in a championship game at Taunton in August, and that's unfortunately the reality we have to live in. The thing is, I'm not completely against non-championship first-class cricket being played at the same time as the hundred, but it's just that the high-performance review makes it sound so crap by just making out there's going to be friendlies and festivals and stuff like it's not perfect and I know a lot of people will disagree but one way of doing it and I've tweeted about it is that the championship could go down to 10 games and then you have a second first class competition a bit like the Bob Willis Trophy with an overall final and that's key played during the 100 period that doesn't fulfil what Somerset want and it would still be 1.5-11 I, I wouldn't call it completely second 11 it was sort of 1.5-11 matches 
So it still wouldn't solve everything, but that's one of the potential options. But the problem is the, the review makes it sound rubbish. <laughs> so the county should resist that festival's idea and say that if there's cricket during the 100, a first-class competition played during the 100, it has to be a proper competition with a final. But, yeah, it's not. It's still not a perfect solution because the 100, yeah. the 100 is still there. So I mean, to, to be honest, you might as well, well, if you want to call it first-class cricket, you can't play the second, you can't kind of upgrade the second eleven championship to the main grounds and, and kind of play your your non-100, sort of regular championship non-100 first-team players in it. It's... Oh dear, we're back to doing this again every week. We, we see at about the fifty-five minute mark, we seem to get into a discussion about the schedules. I'm knocking that on the head. Right, a uh, couple more questions. And last one from Tim Knight: Is it time for the club to propose a vote of no confidence in the ECB? Not just because of the so-called high performance review, but also because of their incompetent stewardship of the game for the last twenty years. Tim says in brackets, the answer is yes. By the way, <laughs> well, so I saw somebody um, put something on Twitter. There was a clause in the Articles of Association or the Memorandum of Association of the ECB, whatever, whatever it is. And it says something like, "The ECB, as their custodians in their role as custodians of the game, will only ever act in the best interests of its county stakeholders." Words to that effect, which they haven't done. Well, they you can argue it either way, whether they have done it or not. It's exactly. all semantics with uh, the introduction of the 100, therefore degrading the value of county cricket, but also saying, well, we're going to give you 1.3 million a year from it, or whatever, whatever that, that figure is. So I don't know. Would we stick our necks out? I don't think a vote of no confidence in the ECP is going to make any significant dif difference other than to make Somerset even more unpopular in the corridors of cricketing power. I think Gordon right. Hollins and, and Sir Michael Barber will want, you know, will want to have uh, maximum flexibility when it comes to negotiations. That would be me, anyway. Yeah, same here. You know, you've got to win some arguments, and you're not going to win some arguments by saying you lot are blooming useless and you should be. Things <laughs> <laughs> with you. With the new chairman now, you know, I think the counties are going to see how it goes for a bit with Rich yeah. Thompson being the chair and, you know, this, yeah, they're going to try and work together, I think. But, you know, the, a lot of the counties have really come out against the high performance review proposals. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks. Like, at the moment, it doesn't look like they're going to get passed. There are too many counties against. The, Steve's got against to shoot off. I don't blame you, Steve. No, no, sorry, guys. On this week. <laughs> right. Catch up with you soon. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, Steve. Yeah, it's it's been an overwhelmingly negative response, almost unanimously negative to the HPR. So we'll yeah, should we properly digest it? Maybe we could do a special on it and absolutely dissect it to to the ribbons. But that's for another day. Right. Uh, anything else? Then? So the boys are off to Kent this week. All the player awards at the uh, the ground on Friday night. Uh, I've got my tickets for that. Tickets available for that from the the Somerset website. Um, only fifty quid for members, which is a pretty decent deal. Got that down from last year. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, any other business, gents? Um. Western Storm played their last uh, Rachel Hayfinton game last Sunday. I think that was after your last recording. Um, yeah. And they won. They, they I was there. They beat Thunder at Old Trafford. Um, so they finished fourth in the table, which is a decent result. They won all three of their away games and lost all three of their home games, which is unusual. And there was also no result away because of the, uh, the Queen's passing. Um, but yeah, solid season for Western Storm. Um, I think Danny Gibson is close to an England call-up. And I think Sophia Smale, you know, she's a well in the hundred as well. She's come on, you know, she's she's done brilliantly this season from making a debut at the start of the season, doing really well in the hundred. She's done pretty well for Western Storm as well. So she's she's definitely going to be in the England selectors' minds. I think she'll be in and around the A team. I think soon. So yeah, some quite a few positives. I think that's the final today, isn't it? Probably started about yeah, seven minutes ago. Just, she just on, started. Yeah, that was on the telly as well. Uh, a few people asked about what we thought of Deepthi Sharma. <laughs> running out Charlie Dean backing up yesterday it. I love a mancad and I was delighted I mean I was sad yeah. about it, but I found it hilarious personally 
I think yeah, it should should have been given not out because she was um, um, pretending. You know, she was um, faking it, faking the bowling when she, you know, um, and um, deceiving the batsman into or batter into thinking that that um, she was going to bowl, and then not bowling. There is an argument. Yeah, somebody put that. There. Does it come under that fake fielding law? Yeah, I think it should. Deceive, but yeah. anywho, we've done an hour and ten minutes. I don't think we're going to start debating man cadding at the moment because we could probably go on to lunchtime. <laughs> and I, for one, need another cup of coffee. Gents, it's been a pleasure as always. Best of luck yep. to Tom Abel and the boys down at Canterbury. Safe journey, Gibbo. We'll be tuning in during the week. And yeah, I think we shall reconvene sometime next week for the golden apples all right see you then cheers everyone cheers Cheers. bye